This episode is sponsored by Cards Against Humanity. They asked us not to read an ad. Enjoy the show. It is the Chicago First podcast on the Dynasty Podcast Network, featuring interviews with Chicago's premier artists and industry and creatives and culture leaders. Hosted by Haima Black. Welcome to Chicago. Okay, Dynasty Podcast live from Cards Against Humanity, part two of our broadcast tonight. Again, always shout out to Cards Against Humanity, Chicago Podcast Co-op for all the support that they have. Uh, for Dynasty Podcasts and for a bunch of Chicago podcasts. So those guys doing amazing work. Please check out Chicago Podcast Co-op online. Check out all of the great Chicago programs that they support. Uh, tonight, broadcasting live from Cards, we have Michael Wing from Autograph and Future Factory who stepped in to really bring us to Facebook Live tonight. So all praise to him. Um, and tonight, my guest, uh, Ashton Mosley, for part two of our broadcast. Thank you so much for coming up. Hey, hey. Yes. <laughs> Thank you for having me. So, Okay. You and I go way back. You were a student of mine at Columbia, but I knew you well before then. Mm -hmm. To kind of give some some, uh, background, this is kind of funny. I've wanted to do live streaming with the podcast for a long time, like years and years and years. And live streaming was honestly just not a mature enough platform until maybe about a year and a half ago to like really match the level of ambition that people have for it. Um, But I wanted to try it anyway. So like a few years back, we did this prototype of kind of what we're doing now, which I call Dynasty Social Hour. We brought this band, Spittlefield, uh, which is like a beloved Chicago pop rock, pop punk band that was kind of reuniting for a minute. And we had them hang out live, play some songs, do a live interview with us. And I can't imagine the live broadcast was the best quality that it could have been compared to now. But you were like a producer on that. You helped out and you kind of were like, you know, you've been around the podcast for a long time, so I'm so glad we have you like on the mic proper. That's so I dope. I know it's 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 finally happening. Yeah, I remember we tried to link up at South by last year, and it was insanity. Yeah, and so. that happens every year at South by. We're like we cast a wide net. We usually email about thirty or not thirty. We usually email about sixty people, mm-hmm. and then we get somewhere between thirty and forty interviews, which is still a ton. Yeah. But South by is uh, it's a moving train. On acid. So it's yeah. very hard to lock people in. Everyone should go. Get on the train. Take the acid. Yeah, go to absolutely. Um, <laughs> so, okay. So your story is really, really interesting because you have done a lot. Um, mm-hmm. and, and you're somebody who, like, you know, again, like, I was always drawn towards, like, I, I liked having you as part of the team. And then I had you as a student at Columbia. And I always saw the work that you're doing. So let's kind of give people some background. Uh, you've done a lot of work in music. Talk about that and the past work you did in the music space. Um, how far back? <laughs> I mean, wherever there. you want to start. Like, what if, like, bring us into kind of like your portfolio because you've done a lot. You have a lot under your belt. Music started for me actually at South by 2000. And I can't even remember. Uh, I think I was about 20. So 2010 maybe. Um, and I was working at a festival and I ended up meeting these artists and we really digged each other. Um, and they were all from the UK and one of them was, was a big DJ. Um, Ross Kwame was, was somebody who was with the guy. I think that was, what's his name? Um, and he was with this musician. Anyways, fast forward, we end up in New York later and they asked me to be their tour manager and I moved to England, uh, and started doing tour management off the jump. Um, then from there, I moved to Chicago after that was done, and I got in with Fader Magazine and did lifestyle marketing with them, and then I transitioned to Universal. I did a little bit independent stuff with Animal House Productions. I had my first event at South by Southwest. It was dope. Um, 
And then uh, up until two weeks ago, I've been with Universal Music Group. Okay. So you just gave us like the abbreviated, like <laughs> like the like previously unlost bite-sized version. But that's a lot. Like I want to unpack this a little bit. Yeah. Very casually. Moved to London, just yeah, out of whim. Like when you're early on in this process and in this environment and somebody says like, hey, move to London, like is there any hesitation or you were just like, okay. Oh, yeah. I was in school. Oh, I was going through this whole phase of really hating America. Um, I got enlightened on the food we eat and politics when I initially went to school for architecture and interior design, right? So then I was like, oh, I'm just going to really get into art. So I was in the mindset already to kind of jump ship. Um, (laughs) And then once I got the opportunity, I was actually visiting Parsons Mm because I was going to go for art direction and I was visiting Parsons and... um, I went to the top of the Empire State Building, and I was like, I can either do this or go further when I was, like, looking. Wow. And then the next day at Rock the Bells, we were VIP, right? And I had been talking to them online since I met them at South By. I mean, it was crazy. Like, the last night of South By, we all had to, like, park they were flying out or whatever, and I just, like, found them online on Facebook. We'd been hanging out for, like, 50 hours straight. Found them on Facebook and sent this email that now, when I think about it, probably sound rather desperate. But we ended up... The artist ended up getting signed a month later, and we just all stayed in contact. And then it ended up being in New York City. It rocked the bells. The manager got really drunk, and I just sort of (laughs) took over. Um, You saw that opportunity, man. Yeah, and I was in the mind state of America being the corporation. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't planning on it, but I had created the opportunity by just taking action. I've always been a very independent thinker. Yes. So I don't really need someone to tell me where to go. I just need to find the map myself. And so that's kind of what I did there. And I saw that quality. And then that translated into a year living based in London, but traveling to so many music festivals. I mean, we went to... The schedule had like 40 music festivals on it in the summer of 2011. And it was insane. And I got to travel... And more than anything, I just learned that I didn't like record labels, and then I ended up working at Universal. (laughs) (laughs) But um, all in all, I think it's everything is having your mindset ready to change and being ready to evolve and being able to just, I don't know if I can say curse words. You can say whatever. Be unfuckwithable, you know? Unfuckwithable. I think that's a great quality. Yeah, so I was there when when I was going to London. But I also had to deal with the family issue. That was pretty crazy because my parents were like, what? You're dropping out of college to go where? To, to do go what? overseas, to go to a bunch of music festivals. To manage a band, mom, you know? And they were just like not having, no one really supported me until I went. That was, that was the hardest part is truly being independent because once you have your family not supporting you and your friends are like, what are you doing? And basically all the social conditioning is telling me to be a certain type of way. You know, so I jumped ship and I really uh, writing in my journal and watching documentaries about the world and speaking to people who were different than me and just curiosity is really what got me through. Okay. So that in and of itself is like crazy. Like that is like such a bold, brave set of decisions and actions. And then like, and that's just the start. Like that's chapter one. Chapter one. And then you go, like, you go work for Fader, you go work for Universal. Like, what can you tell us about those experiences? What were the uh, takeaways that you gained from, you know, really partnering with or being part of very large legacy music institutions? 
um, so after London, I went back and forth between Paris and Amsterdam to just like be like, I don't know what I'm doing. My visa's ending. I didn't know what was going on. All I had was this footage of the London riots, and I just didn't know what to do with it. Um, so I came back to America, and I, um, my visa was over, and I think I was in the States for about two weeks, and my brother had a wedding. And then um, I moved to Chicago just like bought a ticket and came here and didn't know anybody. Just and on a whim? <laughs> yeah. What was it about Chicago that like brought you over here? I felt like I wasn't ready for New York because I had also just had my heart pretty much smashed to pieces and eaten. Okay. So I was like, So this was your re- training wheels. Like I'm going to go do Chicago yeah. to get me ready for New York. Yeah. So I thought I was only going to be in Chicago for like three or four months. But I met this lady named Colleen Spaperi mm-hmm. who has Star Sound Inc., and um, I was going to this music school that was right down the street. Like, I just went to this music... I just actually walked down the street and saw this studio and it was digging it out of curiosity. And this was the first, like, two months I was in... Three, four months I was in Chicago. And I, um, I just, like, saw this studio and, like, was like, hmm, I went inside. And I was, like, seeing snow kind of for, like, the fifth time in my life. So it was really amazing. Because <laughs> you're coming from Austin. Yeah. So I was coming from London. Yeah. And... Uh, but yeah, I was raised in Austin. And Colleen opened the door and was just amazing and just taught me everything about music, took me under her wing. So I didn't really, I didn't go into Fader until about nine months after being in Chicago. I was just in music school, but I was eating it alive. I mean, I was so into the music business. It was like insanity. So, I had sexual feelings for the music business. I did. It was amazing. Well, I mean, you're a very passionate person. You're a very driven person. That's obvious. And so... <laughs> Kind of to bring us up to now, something you were telling me before the mics turned on is like that I didn't even really know. You're entering creative direction as a field. It sounds like you might be kind of like closing the book, whether temporarily, permanently, on some of the music-focused work. Bring us into kind of like your mindset now and where you're going. Right now, I'm surprised that my artwork is this good. And I am pushing myself and my boundaries in my artwork and I'm calling it creative direction, creative directing and I'm calling it styling and I'm calling it this things that my, I'm now took on the task of being an artist myself. I've worked for years branding people, making marketing plans, like doing all of this stuff, managing social media for artists, doing promotion for artists, getting artists on the radio, coming up with release plans, consulting. Like I feel like everything in the music industry besides booking, I really don't like booking, everything <laughs> besides booking I've done. And um, I just really have always longed to express my own artistic um, ability because before I got into music, it was either New York and Parsons or just take the adventure and go to London and right. get out of America. And I took the adventure, and the adventure took me into music, which took me deep into how I feel about sound today and thought and thinking. But I feel like it gave me the the skills to be a visual artist, which to me is how I express, you know, creative direction. Is is you know, yeah. So that's Call amazing. It creative direction. Um, so, um, so right now you're, you're looking at creative directing, creative direction, and that's Mm -hmm. based around your artwork. And when you say artwork, like painting, drawing, sketching, like bring us into what that is. No, um, to me, um, I would say my artwork is like, to me, artwork is like 
seeing your the beauty in your life at all times mm-hmm. because I really am starting to get inspired by anything and then it'll translate into a photo. So when I'm saying artwork, you can see my artwork is styling in a magazine or online. That's where you'll find it. Or mm-hmm. you'll see literally photos that I've shot with my partner. I have multiple partners. One's behind me, Kwame. Mm-hmm. And my other partner, Vince, and working with this, these incredible photographers, and we make images. So right now, uh, my partner and I have four that are coming out, or yeah, four that are coming out in Swagorus magazine. Right on. Yeah. And, and you're doing some modeling, like in front of the camera, right? No, not yet. I'll tell people that. <laughs> Don't expose it. All right. No, okay. not yet. Not, not yet. yet. Not I yet. mean, I have some stuff that I really want to do yet, but I feel like I want to practice that more before I even promote myself on that level. Okay. <laughs> you'll just see it. All right. You'll so just we'll be know. Like, oh, that's Ashen. It'll like be somewhere. All right. And you'll know. Yeah. So I'm going to be in Times Square, and it's going to be one of those like seven story visual images like video right uh, on yeah something like that or you <laughs> that's know, where it'll start it'll just be on the sidewalk outside of your house and I'll be like you were the one I told you you know I'd love that <laughs> um, with you. so so right now you're like really branching out into your own direction after mm-hmm. like you said really giving a lot of your creative energy to other people other artists other institutions brands how does it feel to kind of like be moving out on your own journey after learning and, and giving to so many others? Uh, it's so scary. I mean, I can... It's so scary, but it is the most joy that I have felt in like like five years. I feel joy. I feel joy. I feel extreme joy. I feel it's amazing. I feel um, similar to how I felt when I got on that plane and I was going to London and I was like for the very first time. Right. I feel like I feel when I was going to, yeah, when I was walking around at music festivals by myself going, I want to do this. I think it's an exciting feeling to yeah. be doing something for the first time. Mm-hmm. That was why I started teaching a few years ago because I kind of realized that like the last thing that I'd done for the first time at that point was podcasting. And at that point, I started podcasting seven years prior, and I realized, like, I need to do something now for the first time again. And that's, yeah. that is a great feeling, mm-hmm. like that uncertainty and excitement, and it's, it's the first day of school, mm-hmm. you know? So where do you go now? Like, what's the next step for where you're taking yourself with this journey? So now um, I'm taking myself to uh, being a better leader, I think, as well, is one of the main things I'm learning um, that people are unique because of their differences and appreciating that in the essence of team. Um, really being diverse in the artwork that I'm creating, making sure that it's diverse and I'm not repeating anything and just see, just seeing the inspiration that I'm seeing and really making sure that these mood boards come to life. I have a new partner that is a new force in my life and it feels incredible to have someone with a similar taste, appreciation, and zeal for life. And low-key, we are like blessed. We're extremely blessed. blessed. So that feels amazing um, to grow just as an artist. And I have incredible friends. I had an incredible, mind-blowing conversation with one of my best friends yesterday that encouraged me to live and be open and see nature and beauty and train and, you know, 
that love is in all forms. And I'm realizing that love is in all forms, especially in what I do. I love creating this I love artwork. this. This is like such a positive, <laughs> empowering, like uh, yes. enabling in a good way, very like just powerful conversation. And like everything you're talking about, like it, it comes through so much. Mm-hmm. Um, what advice, you know, and this is something we always ask towards the end, like what advice would you give for anybody who is listening, watching this, um, who's maybe earlier in their journey or they're considering like taking a sharp left turn, doing something different, doing that move that is the equivalent of just flying to London and doing a year there. Like how did you kind of, get yourself in the mindset to take all these chances and to actually act on them and not just think, oh, it'd be kind of nice to go do that one day. Um, it's not nice to go do. So I'd say take that word out. It is extreme and it's radical and it's what the person that you used to see on TV and used to idolize would do. So in order to be like that person that you used to idolize, I don't, I don't feel like anyone has any soft idols. Right. You know, you don't get idle status by being a wet blanket. By being polite. Yeah, this... Like, I love Kanye West. Yeah. I don't know if people know this. Kanye West, not always polite. <laughs> I didn't know that. Really? No. <laughs> um, he hides it. Yeah. I, I, would, I would encourage people to do something that uh, maybe is possibly unorthodox or could seem morally whatever. Everybody who's concerned about you and doesn't know what you're doing and thinks that maybe what you're doing is the wrong thing, lie to them and say, give them one (laughs) sentence of what you're doing. You know what I mean? Just give them all one sentence, blow them a balloon of this hope of what what it is that they think you can do so that they can get off your back. Because while you're doing these changes and while you're going through these things and while you're freaking out about your stuff, you don't want mom and dad and sister and cousin and best friend and not best friend and ex-coworker and neighbor and all these people, you can't have all their opinions. Because when you're going through these changes and when you're being um, what you need to be to reach your dreams, people don't recognize you as the dream that you're becoming. They only see what you've projected in the past. And so all their advice and all of their descriptions of what's going to happen in the future are all projected on, on, on this old you. And when they don't understand the new you... You got to shut that down. Just blow them a blow them a belief, attach all their hands for it, tell them, "Yes, I'm in school as a whatever, whatever they need to hear." You right. know what I mean? And then you go and you work your butt off. And, and you, you be unfuckwithable. And you be unfuckwithable at the end of it. And then blessings will just flow to you, you know? And then they'll be like, "Oh, wow." You know, because right. I mean, when I moved when I moved to Chicago, my parents for the first two years were like, "You're a failure, like this, that, this, that." But you know, now they're like, "Oh my gosh, you know, you're amazing." You know, they're like showing all their friends that I was on the Steve Harvey <laughs> show and like showing them my work, artwork, and giving speeches at my graduation of, of how you know proud they are of me. But none of that will come if you stay in comfortability. You know. No, absolutely. Yeah. Asha Mosley, this is A, it's long overdue. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> you're a professional peer and also someone I consider a friend and also Absolutely. someone I look up to. And that mm-hmm. goes to Miranda as well. Um, because, you know, uh, I don't think you were in the room when we were talking about this, but like it's true. Like at Columbia College, the reason I wanted to be part of that institution initially when I first uh, got on board, uh, and I still feel this way today, the faculty are top level and they're active in their fields and they're really creative. And then the students, the people that are, you know, the young professional 
uh, adults that I have in my classes, I get blown away by the level of talent, ambition, creativity, et cetera, at Columbia. And I see that with you, I see that with Miranda. And so I'm really glad we had you guys on tonight. And I'm glad that we did this because, again, it's long overdue. So thank you so much. Yeah, that you know what about your class? Man, Columbia is really cool. Uh, Alexa, we're working together, and I'm in her magazine, Sedate. The one that she started in your class. Remember? She was like, I'm going to start this magazine. And she, like, asked for your advice about it. And we we and Alexa were, like, across from each other. And now you got to connect me with her so that we can have her on as well. (laughs) Because I love that. I I really, I'm a big believer Mm -hmm. in just, like, I'm going to quote Nike, but, like, just do it. It's really true. Like, you, you can sit around and think, like, Man, one day it'd be great to open up this restaurant. It'd be great to make this movie. It'd be great to like launch my own magazine, website, podcast, whatever. But there's a big difference between that and then just being like, all right, today's the day I'm going to do it. And maybe it'll suck today. And maybe next week it'll be a little bit better. Maybe a month from now it'll be decent. You know, and maybe a year from now I could show it to people. But you know this. It's all about like taking that first step. So I love when I see students, young entrepreneurs who actually are doing it, not just talking. And you are a fucking doer. Like, That's right. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, Asha Mosley, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you for coming up tonight. I really appreciate it. Thank you. appreciate it. Awesome. You've been listening to a production of Dynasty Podcast. Find more Dynasty Podcasts at DynastyPodcast.com. For the Dynamic Dynasty, Dynasty Descend.